Welcome to The Hack, the straight-talking smart tech podcast where we discuss the ever-changing world we live in today. It's time to start thinking differently. So tune in and buckle up for some home truths as Hull and East Yorkshire's very own digital tech experts talk transformation and change, focusing on people, process and technology. Back, are we? Oh, we're back. We've got a great guest, Harry Ricks. We've just been having a little bit of a giggle on we off air in terms of where this show might go and where it might not go. But I think we've got some sort of framework. Would you agree, Harry? Yeah, I'm not feeling too apprehensive at the moment. Well, that's good. That's good. But if any of our listeners are thinking, oh, he's Harry Ricks, and the way I like to describe it, if we was on a dinner table now, we're having some food, how would you introduce yourself, who you are and what is it you do? Yeah, I'd say, hey, I'm Harry Ricks. Um, you've already heard me chatting to someone else about some rubbish that you may be thinking what on earth is that bloke over there talking about but now i'm i would say i'm the founder and ceo of a tech company here based in hull and the sixth generation of a family business called jail ricks and sons um, it's a little business all right it's only a little one <laughs> it's, it's been around for 150 years now in the city yeah it's quite a well-known name around the city and i would probably move straight off from work and start talking about far more fun things if I was at a dinner party and I'd like to have a drink in my hand and I'd like to probably get, get to know you a little bit more, Leon. No, I appreciate that. I think what we're going to do is we're, uh, we've got all 10 commandments we're going to ask you so we can sort yeah. of get to know you a bit better and I'm sure we'll spin off. So the question I'm going to ask you is what are one to three books that have greatly changed or influenced your life? Yeah, I think what's really interesting for me is talked about sixth generation family business. One of the things that we do is we're a big distributor of hydrocarbon products. So we sell domestic ET oil, along with doing loads of other things like manufacturing. We are now in the renewables game, but one of the biggest influencing books that I've read is something called Green to Gold. And it's how you can put a sustainability strategy at the heart of your business to try and give you a competitive advantage versus... versus It'd be the cost of it. Yeah, and and just think about what can you do to be different to the to other people in a market and position yourself. And when you think about sustainability and being like a an oil business, people often think this guy is absolutely mad. He's that's the last thing that he should be talking about. But actually, we're a sixth generation family business, been around for 150 years. How do we be around for another 150 years? That's something that I'm going to have to tackle in my lifetime. Which is an awesome question to ask yourself yeah. as well. When you think about it, I think. Either time, just for some listeners, because this goes out across the entire country, not everybody will know of Ricks, but it's just a sleep. I would think it's like a sleeping giant. What's it turning over? Is, is it close to, is it? Seven, 700 million turnover. It's not bad, is it? No, turnover is a bit of a... Vanity statement. Yeah, vanity statement when it comes to a business that sells oil, because it's a very low margin business. We've got 1% margin, for example, on, on the majority of products that we sell. But yeah, we're employing 900 people, but our biggest employing area is now manufacturing. So yeah, we're well known for certain things that are really similar our history, but in the last kind of 10 years or so, we've diversified more than we've diversified in the last 150 years. And we're now into manufacturing. Do caravans and leisure homes and things like that as well? Yeah. Anybody that comes from Hull and runs a business in Hull has done something to do with caravans yeah. at some point in their life. Certainly yeah, have. Yeah, I'm sure everyone in this room's probably. I've just sold a caravan. I had a caravan for many years with a family, but my daughter's too big. She's. Bigger than the beds now. Uh, she's getting onto 11, going on 21 in shape. So it's just gone. Today, the transaction went through. I'm devastated. But I think, wounded, I'm wounded, but I think, yeah, we'll get you a new one. Yeah, we're, yeah, <laughs> but, but I think, if you're not for a while, you don't understand how important caravans are to this industry. It's, it's huge so, and, and costly. It's a big part of history, isn't it? 
Yeah, definitely. And so many people in the city are employed by the companies that, that to manufacture these caravans. And yeah, it's great for the city when, when it's boom times and people are staying at home and the staycation boom that we've seen, it's been really good for labor rates and things like that. So long may it continue, but I think unfortunately with the state of the economy, maybe that won't be the case. No, maybe not. But I think what's interesting with Bill, when you talk about, is it green to gold? Yeah, gold. Uh, gold, yeah, gold, 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 gold to gold, I was close, wasn't I? He's, I think that as businesses and just as people, though, we need to think different about the way we are treating the environment, aren't we? Because it's not going to carry on the way as it it's unsustainable, isn't it? The way it goes. But what sort of tips have you got for organisations thinking about um, looking at sustainability when we're in a, we're in a massive downturn at the moment, aren't we? Yeah, I mean, it, fundamentally, you're saving energy. You're trying to be smarter in the way that you work with resources. It's good for cost saving, for one. But start small. You don't need to start on thinking about how do I completely change the way that I run my business. Maybe that's the case for us. But for someone like yourselves, for example, running an office, just turning the lights off is a great place to start. Then you might think, right, educating employees around the little things that they can do. Now that you've gone on that journey, what ideas do they have for how you could be a little bit more sustainable? You might start thinking about buying a renewable energy tariff. You might start thinking about investing in solar or something like that, putting that on your building. There's, there's so many different things to do and there's no one size fits all approach to business because every business is unique. So you've really got to think small, work with other people in your industry or work with an expert and just start to come up with a bit of a plan and take small actions. No, I love that. And I think. Interesting, we're big into tech. That's what we do. We specialize in automating people and doing all things different. And we were just having, a, I always like to do like what predictions are going to happen next year. And one of them, what I was predicting is one of it is green, the green movement and to be more sustainable. But then around that is automation. I'm a huge fan and believer in automation and the way AI is going to do. But looking to your product accountable, that when I was in construction for many years, having to report on how much CO2 and carbon I'd use was, was just ridiculous. So it's about bringing in products that are simple like that, the automate process. But what would you say about automation being a huge challenge at the moment? Yeah, I mean, we've got, if you look at some of the customers that we've taken on recently, they don't want to expand and bring in more staff. They wanted to keep it small. It's more expensive by bringing people in. And we've sort of helped them transition that and we by bringing in process, like automation process, to fill in documents, which would take somebody two or three days. They can now do it in 10 minutes by using one person. So for us, that's been huge. More so than ever now, our customers are asking us for automation, aren't they? Yeah. And now you can automate using technology. That's one of the big things we're looking at. Any other books while I dig on that question as well? Yeah. Who was my other one? Who? No, I don't. Yeah, it's Jeff Smart. And it's just about hiring strategy when you're in business. And yeah. We've changed our recruitment strategy recently, haven't we? And it's working really well. But Leon was a big building block behind that one, yeah. You, you, got, you, go. you came in and revamped the way we hire, yeah. but there's always better ideas out there, isn't Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So go, we're going to get some great. This book is about how the biggest mistake you can make running your business is like hiring the wrong people. Yeah. And you talked there about having, not wanting to increase the number of people that you've got. I firmly believe having less really good people yeah. is much better than having loads and loads of people that maybe are less efficient and giving them the right tools to succeed. Yeah. But this book gives you a framework for basically how you go about finding that talent and how you go about process of recruitment. And I think it's the way that I think now is you're constantly recruiting. If you're running a business, you're always looking for people thinking, hey, are you interested in opportunities? I would love it if you were kind of part of my team. 
And then I suppose what you learn after that is when you get them in your team, it's how do you retain them, keep them happy. But that this book is really just about the process of hiring. That for me, being quite a young guy, how oh, old are you now? 28 now. That was big for me because it's a lot of responsibility. It's not just about me finding the right person. It's about offering someone an opportunity to come and work with me. And you can be taking them out of a job, or you can be promising them something that you can't necessarily deliver. And that's a really bad position to be in as, a, as an employer, especially when you're going to have your whole life working in the same city. You get a bad reputation when you start doing things like that. So get it right the first time, take more time instead of rushing, thinking, let's plug a gap. No, I love that. And I think why he's laughing is I always remember a conversation we were having when I came in and I just changed the full recruitment strategy in terms of, because these guys are technical, it's cybersecurity we deal with. Obviously we need to have competent people, but the, I'm a big believer in traits over skills and what someone's natural traits can be like. So I was shopping for a new mobile phone the other day and I'm looking to bring someone in inside sales. And there's a great guy that I'm thinking he'd be awesome in this role. Yeah. And a bit like you, I'm constantly looking, thinking, oh, how could that person fit into that? And I think if you don't think like that, you'd never achieve amazing things. We always talk about the man club. There's over 700 of us involved in that. Yeah. But what that's taught me in, in that sense is people do it for free, don't they? They want yeah. free and give the time. Yeah. But that means that you've got to have your process and your culture so organized and so protected. Because people are giving the time for free, which is even more valuable than you actually pay them if you think about it. That's why I think I was, I was giggling. And telling that story, yeah. let's see what his opinion is when we had a recruitment co a company working for you, didn't we? Oh, yeah. That was uh, a couple of years now, was it? Yeah. Yeah. Liam, allied to protect the culture in the business. He's in charge of culture. That's his job to protect it. Yeah. Just make sure we've got the right people in the right seats. And uh, yeah, we, we reached out to a recruitment company. A lot of CVs, a lot. And I interviewed about. 10 people yeah. and I couldn't find the right one and I thought I was the problem. I thought there's just something wrong with these people or is it me? They can't, all these people can't be wrong. I always found one thing that where they wouldn't quite fit into the business, whether it was just an attitude or something they said, and they ended up coming back too, didn't I? Cause I called from the recruiting company and he said to me, you just been too picky. You just need to choose somebody and get them in. I went to Leon and I was like, I think I've been too picky. I do Pass me the phone. I'll give him a call. And also, so what would you say to that? Is it you agree on that? Disagree? Completely agree. Like I, I've been in quite a many days. Yeah, going out the other day, you didn't know what you wanted. All this, I think it's no. It's you, we're looking for the right person. We're not looking for anybody. We've got a role to fill, but if we can't find the right person, we're not a big enough business in terms of what I'm running. More of a startup to just take on people. It, it's about finding someone that can with a culture, being yeah. more versatile. And if you don't find that right person, you're not going to offer them the role. And whether that means that they're not going to make their commission, then that's just unfortunate. But how do you approach it? Do you still work with recruitment agencies? Or you... We do to a certain extent, yeah. But I think the interview process, we used to get, they used to filter a lot of the well, You say we candidates we've not filled a role from a recruitment, we've not offered them it, but actually what we've worked on, really add on with our own funnels, Part of the podcast actually is a part of our strategy of letting people see what we're actually like and what we're about. Um, and we've just made a new hire enjoying yeah. the business. And one of the facts for that was he's been watching the podcast. He knows more. He knew you were playing all And you're all about yeah, us. Well, we've done the same. So we run events and things like that. And yeah, you mentioned we were really lucky in the office space that we had. We put on. You had a shopping for people. Yeah, we had a shop. People. No, we, uh, we put on an event where we said, come and meet us and see what we're all about. And we can meet you and much better than an interview where people are nervous. We put some is on, 
they got to come. They did a, we asked them to do a little task before they came. And from that, we made two hires and it was like a, a bit of promotion on LinkedIn versus going to a, <laughs> getting a lot of CVs and you spend so much time yeah. on this. Yeah. So just, yeah, it's working faster, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. No, I love that. Any other books on that? I didn't put another book, but I just put down The Economist because I think for me, it's a publication. I'm not like one of those people that I love podcasts more than I love books just because I like to listen to things in the car in the morning and stuff. And I listen to The Economist pretty much like every week. Yeah, just to stay up to current affairs because I think it's great to read all the theories and things like that, but you've got to be up to date with what's going on in the world and from things like The Economist or listening to similar things. So. Yeah, that's something that I enjoy is just staying up to date. No, love it. Love it. Love it. Who will go next day or not? Yeah, I'm jumping on the next one. What is your feel good song or music that gets you focused on, makes you happy? So I'm a big music fan. I did Blastery this year, which was awesome. And it was recently Spotify wrapped, wasn't it, for 2022. So where you get like your download of all of your music. So I was like, this question's timed. <laughs> I found out that I was in the top 0.5% of listeners of an artist called Bonobo. Don't know if anybody yeah, knows Bonobo, yeah, but like electronic music. And that's I see, I've seen about um, a festival called Big Chill quite a while, but years ago. Um, but they're quite an, an eclectic sort of... Yeah, it's electronic music. It's really good for focus, if you want. Just background music. It's probably because if I want to do a task where I'm just like, it's maybe mundane or whatever. You just put something to music on just to be like, okay. Cause if I'm focusing on something, I have to block everything out. I can't have music, but if it's just like mundane stuff, I'll put something like that on and just work through the tasks. Yeah. It's probably why I'm in the, I think I spent something like 3000 hours. <laughs> <listening to laughs> it and I was like, oh, that's, I need to expand my horizon. <laughs> <laughs> what would you say on that in terms of productivity? Cause I don't know if you see behind you, there's a, a tomato timer and I've upgraded. I have one digital, but. I'm so bad with my attention. I have to break everything down to 25 minutes. Well, focus, but it was like you get some music on, set a timer and go. Is that sounds for you or, or yeah, what, well, I do you want to One of the questions I might be jumping to is about habits. And for me, that's the same with habits. I've got to like, what my big habit has been segment your day and really be precious with your time because otherwise you just end up a busy fool and Focusing on one thing at a time is the most important habit that I can have because I'm a useless multitasker. Cannot do two things at once. <laughs> but if I'm totally focused on something, I really get into it and I enjoy it. And I'm actually stressed when I'm trying to do more than. Because you're not doing what you're saying. I believe when I started my business, I was a. Uh, How long are you in, in the journey now? On your journey? 16 months, 14 months. And you're working with some of the biggest global you know, players, are you? You work with Ricks? I'm working with Ricks, yeah. Something with quite a global player. But... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so in Hull, we're working with a lot of the big companies and we've uh, delivered into 13 countries as well. And early doors, I was a busy fool at the start. I used to be nonstop all day. And then I've, Leon's been like a mentor to me and I've been accountable to him. So, and it got to a point where I've got my little red book in there now. And even though I've got my diary electronically, I have a little red book that I plan my biggest tasks of the week and then the rest of my tasks. And I have to complete the big ones before I do a little one. And it's been a game changer for me. Absolute game changer in the last. People say to me, I don't, I don't know how you do all what you do, but it's all through being focused and 
breaking it down. And I always say I don't see a lot of the lads in the office because Leon's given me some office space in here as well. And But when I do get in the office and I break my tasks down, I just sit there and I just totally get focused and smash you, it. You don't see a lot of them. Do you know how many tickets does he raise when his tech's not working, when he's delivering yeah. to India or I'd, Malaysia and he needs some IT support because he's, he's forgot to plug his... I tell you what, there's a good one for you though. I was delivering to an IT company in London, foreign IT company in London. And they had multiple places and they couldn't get the tech working. An IT company in London and I rang these guys up. Five minutes, five minutes. So you want to be, it's good for you, isn't it? So I was in the IT company going, I'll get my company to do it. Sorted. Job done. Job done. I think you're in the next one, Bob. Okay. Intrigued with this one. Right then, Harry, what purchase of £50 or less has most positively impacted your life in the last six months i'm going to really disappoint everyone here. <laughs> everyone's expecting something really deep and so beautiful but i landed on a pot of hummus and there's this new pot of hummus at tesco's that is like the biggest pot of hummus that you could ever imagine it is just revolutionary <laughs> is it i love hummus what? and i was like i love hummus hey, we were saying when we follow the show that we never have the same answer we've never had no, we've never had hummus never hey, you know. we've done 150 podcasts we've had gym memberships we've had records we've had other bits and pieces things that keep you warm never hummus. what's the name of this hummus <laughs> you know what i was like i can't remember the name it's a bucket it's like a it's just like they do this jalapeno hummus and it is i'm talking like a yogurt sized part of hummus and I love it. I eat almost every day of the week. Yeah. And for me, like to be happy, food is so important. And uh, I was like, what can I say? And I was like, actually, if I'm completely honest, as soon as I saw that in the supermarket, I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm totally getting that. <laughs> yeah, I've been back. And how much did he one. put you back then? I think it's like, it's like three, three pound 50. It's, it's He's like, on it, isn't it? Yeah. But crisps, put it in it, salads, put it with it. Yeah. Anything, anything goes with us. I feel like. Oh, I love me. Well, I had almost with my omelette this morning. I love it. Yeah, something really deep. Yeah, no, no. Honestly, because I'll be going to Tesco for that. No, 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 I think it's a game changer. No, but the interest of it is, phone does play a massive part in some people's lives. It doesn't matter. And I absolutely love food. I just keep myself away from it. That's my problem. But I love it too much. It affects my mood so much in terms of what I eat. Like, I'm a strong believer of what you put in your body makes you feel good or bad. So, I'm... Um, I'd try and eat really healthy, and if it's healthy and tasty, then you're onto a winner, aren't you? Yeah, but I think what we always talk about within mental health, it's huge what you eat. And, and, it, and I, I've had this love hate relationship. When I get too stressed, I take you know, like last night, I'm running late. I have to get a takeaway from me and the kids because I, I haven't planned properly. They're like just like little things. And a big meeting this morning. I knew I had this podcast today, so I got myself to bed early, got myself up early, fueled myself better. And I just feel, I feel like so better today just for putting the right fuel in me this morning and just setting myself up to win. And I think, I know we're going to jump into it a little bit in habits, but I am, I want to move into the habit one because I'm intrigued in that. I've been tracking one habit. So Luke Curran's and his man club, he's professional athlete, he used to play rugby for Leeds Rhinos, captain of Ireland, and he does like, oh, triathlons and stuff. And he's given me one kip. I, I help him on leadership and we check him once a week. And he helps me. He's like trying to help me around um, my physical and mental health a bit more, right? And he gave me one KPI to track, one habit, which was my sleep. And I've never tracked my sleep. And I started to look back and I'm, I live on five hours, four and a half hours, maybe six if I'm lucky. And he was just like, we can't have this. So for the last six, three weeks, I yeah. think, I've been getting eight hours and I feel like a new man. So why I want to say I'm going off cuff it is you mentioned habits are a big thing for you. 
give me some examples of what you think because you're nodding. I was going to go all the time when we talked, but another habit that's massive for me is exercise. I am totally probably to the point where I'm like addicted in my head as to got to exercise at least four times a week. Otherwise I, I'd feel rubbish. I'd feel sluggish. I start to feel like I'm not energized. Like just for me to go and make sure that I'm doing something like three or four times a week makes a massive difference. You started open, yeah? I did indeed, yeah. I'm now in the twilight of my career. I'm really not doing anything impressive anymore. But yeah, we're a rugby union player, yeah. What position? Back rower. So six, seven or eight. I just put my head in the wrong places and get kicked around. And when you get to the when you get to the age of twenty eight, you can no longer get away with that. Like you could same as Leon. Just like playing masters for the other forties. Yeah, and it's full contact. I'm still aching now, it was good, but You've been, you've just come back from Achilles, haven't you? Yeah. You're a big rugby, so a big football well, player, big runner. And how's that affected you and your mum? Yeah, it was the same. It's like, I snapped my Achilles completely playing football in, in June this year. And I've never done anything like that since I did a bit of bad injury when I was about 15. But I've run every week, played football every week. And it, it stopped me in my tracks for four months. Five months, I couldn't run, walk, couldn't drive. And I felt, rubbish just because I couldn't exercise. So I had to try and eat healthier. I like to take away on a weekend. I was cutting out because I didn't want to put on lots of weight while I was training, but getting back into to fitness just it helps me with my mind as well. It clears my mind. It helps me get where I need to be. Yeah, because I used to see him running every Saturday. He does he gets running every Saturday, don't you? And yeah, I, yeah, yeah. And yeah. I see him with his headphones on. Do you want to tell him where you saw me running when I was running? Do you want to keep for you? So I was sat in Urban 44 having a breakfast and Dean ran past. We meant to be good. No, this was last like year. Eight am I walking every morning. Yeah, he, he, he's meant to be good. He's got health coach. He's banned. Are you telling me he's banned from? Copeland's. What are you banned from eating in Copeland? Cookie Monsters. <laughs> His wife and Kim rang everyone in Copeland's from where he's about and said, do not let this man eat Cookie Monsters. Love it. They're from the devil. Well, it's a Cookie Monster. Bye. Don't I'll eat. buy you one Monday. If I was allowed to, I'd get yeah, you one. I think we should have some. We should have some. I don't know about... Not me. I'm not allowed to. You've been good at it. I've been real good. Yeah. But I think we're interested. It's back to that, that thing on habits, isn't it? Because uh, I've got off PC here, Paul. Do you want to do that next one there? Under the patch is a £50 or less. Yeah. So, do you have a lesson from a failure of yours, Harry? Whoa. My lesson is quite closely related to one of the books. People is so important. Again, just coming back to that lesson was if you've made a mistake with the wrong person and you've got to work with that person every day, you've got to, you've got to know when to cut ties and try and find the right person to work with you and be part of your team. My lesson is basically find the right people in the first place. If it's not working, move on and find some, find someone new. Sounds like it's, sounds like it's a girlfriend. No, Stacey, you know, you're right. A business owner, no, isn't but, it? No, but I think, I think, cause yeah. Educate our listeners a bit more in terms of accountable because I think a big challenge for yourself when I realise this is it's a challenge in terms of it's a new startup because you your name just carries the way it does in terms of brick screen. Everyone thinks it, it's got bigger pockets than it has, don't they? So do you want to explain that a bit more? Yeah, we're a we're a startup business that's within a bigger group of businesses, but the way that Ricks operates is is like a. a 12 different brands and so each business has to perform on its own merits as any good business should and I suppose for me personally as well it's it's a journey you want to be making sure that you are adding value to that business so 
I completely view it as its own independent business. And it's a journey from in those first three years to get to a point where you are achieving all of your goals and you put a lot of work into that. You put your heart and soul into it to try and make it work. So when someone else comes in and they're maybe not aligned to that, you really, it, it hurts you. It's like, this is, I'm working all the time to try and make this happen. And I want people that are as even on that purpose as I am, because at the end of the day, if it works, it's going to be big for them as well as big for me. It's, uh, they're going to be some of the first people in the door to, to grow a business and be part of something, which is much bigger. And now that we're getting a little bit older, we're starting to go on that journey. And there's people in the business that have come on that journey with me. And I really hope that we do achieve all the big ambitions that we've got to have a really established brand, a software business built in whole that is got a purpose that is about making the planet better, but also making, empowering people to have better lives, less admin in the office, which is a lot of what you guys do and helps businesses run more effectively. So people can focus on managing their business, not managing their expenses. I love it. And I can see you nodding, Dino, in terms of, cause I think the ad is I'm the visionary in our business. So when I joined, like I said, I think four or five years ago, what was really interesting was it was originally called virtual networking. I was like an outsourced IT support. But when I sat down with Scott and Dean and was like, what is it you guys actually think you do? Everything they told me what they did was like, and I was running a week to business from 3 million to 15 million in a real short space of time. And it was for none of the reasons what they thought they was doing. They give us so much more than that. So when I came in, I had to redo the vision, the mission, and what we're doing. And, and all it's really simple. We help companies succeed through the adoption and use of digital technology. But that word adoption and use is like counterintuitive because traditionally IT support was we only get involved when it's broke, when it's fixed. And I think I could see you nodding mm. because the vision changed what we was doing. And quite interested in sort of age ranges, you was around Harry's age when you yeah. started on your leadership journey, weren't you? So what, see you nodding around that, what big challenges do you, do you have? It was massive. When you came in, we, like I say, we was just what we thought traditionally that IT was break fix. We just respond to a problem, but then we changed the way we worked completely. Didn't we? We've got better staff, better processes in place, but we started being a hell of a lot more pre proactive with what we was doing. We was, we're fixing things now in the back room before they were even broke. And it's reducing the amount of calls we get in, the amount of support tickets and in theory, less staff to the minute we're working a lot smarter. But the big problem was we buy mad mob of models and I think you joined this was we started getting people who need traditionally IT people want to sit in a cupboard and you yeah. want to talk to people. Yeah. So I was like, no, this doesn't work. We need people who want to talk to people, which are not traditionally IT people. So it was like, we can bring them in and we'll have to train them and we change the entire model. But I think it's nervous when you go do that. What you're doing is, is something completely new in the space you're competing against. In the tech industry, it's hugely comp competitive. Yeah, you're out against yeah. VC money that's multi-million pounds. And because we're trying to do it in a far more sustainable, from a cost perspective, good old Yorkshire business, trying to do things. What are you doing to make that different? What do you, why do you think you're going to win? So we think we're going to win because our route to market's a little bit different than those businesses paying a lot of money to acquire customers one by one. We're building software that's really robust that we can then sell to other third parties that are maybe ERP providers, accountancy packages that can use our software as like a bolt-on to their existing products. And that gives us access to thousands of customers basically overnight versus one-to-one -one kind of sales. Uh, it's a, just a different approach and it means we can really focus on having a few customers instead of 
trying to get loads of smaller customers, but the cost of acquiring that is potentially a lot cheaper than that, that, that VC kind of approach. Yeah, love it, love it, love it. Do you want to see the next one, Dean? Quote yeah. Saying? Yeah. What is your favorite quote or saying that if you could share with everyone in the world, what is it and why? I would, it's not necessarily a quote, but I would just tell everybody to be authentic and be themselves. Don't be somebody that you're not. I think it can be really hard sometimes to be authentic, especially when you're a leader, because you've got so many preconceptions about what you should or shouldn't be doing, but actually just trying to be yourself is going to let people be most at ease with you and you're going to understand how best to work with you and you're going to get the best out of them. But that goes well beyond leadership. I think just in life, mental health, with the stuff that you do, people are pretending to be someone they're not. You're going to end up in a really lonely place, aren't you? Because you're not being true to yourself. No, you've got to show vulnerability as well. It, as well as it, even if you are a leader, because I think that gets the best out of your team as well, especially. And when I was starting on my business journey, I was really frightened going to speak to CEOs and company owners, but I was just myself. And just be who I am. I ju I'm just a, I'm just a guy from Buller wants to make a difference, and I care. And I think that shows, and yeah. that's how we've grown. Authenticity. It's I don't pretend to be something I'm not. But I think that's really hard because we talk about this a lot at Man Club in terms of why I think that model works. Is first and foremost, people have to turn up themselves. No doctors sending them there, so it takes effort to turn yeah. up and say I've got a problem. But I don't look at it as having a, like, a problem. I think. You mentioned about if I go to the gym, like working out, being healthy, active. We have to do the same thing with the mind, don't we? We've got to be healthy, we've got to be active. But this word authenticity and vulnerable, I think in the leadership world, yeah, people think it's somewhat more than it's not. And it's just actually just prepared to be yourself, like you just mentioned. But it becomes really hard uh, because I've got this theory, I've been listening to quite a lot of Jordan Peterson lately. I don't know if you, you well, we all know Jordan Peterson is. He has this theory where most humans, he talks about uh, most humans uh, want to be left alone, just want to be left alone and think of it like a school of fish. If you was a human, they want to be right in the middle of that school. They don't want to be, they don't stand right, yeah. out. He takes it a bit further and he says uh, zebras, right? So why are zebras the colour they are? Any ideas? I don't know. No idea. So camouflage, right? But when you question that, a lot of behavioural scientists looked at this and said, Camouflage, it can't be camouflage because what colours a lion? Brown. Yeah, brown. Sandy. 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 Starting looking at a zebra, but every time they look down to say, oh, that's one zebra there, and I'm going to categorize it. Once they look back up, they couldn't recognize which zebra it was. And what they started to realize was, together, zebras are camouflaged because there's loads of them. And when a lion hunts, he, can't, he has to work as a team to focus on one zebra. So these behavioral scientists at first, they didn't realize that and said, what we're going to do is we're going to get a tin of paint with a brush and we're going to go paint the back of the zebra red. So we know which one's what, and we can start categorizing what the zebras are. Uh, what do you think happened to the zebras that was red? They got killed. Got eaten. Because they stood out from the crowd. So back to the point where I'm going this season, I think this is a challenge for leadership, but I also think it's a challenge for when we're recruiting people, is people don't want to stand out from the crowd. So it's how my question to you is, 
how do we empower them to be the self and to actually stand out from the crowd and do some things different? I think you, what, in terms of the people that are working with yeah. well, yeah, I think you've got to lead from the front, haven't you? And when you mentioned vulnerability, I think if you show that vulnerability first, that is a really good way to, you know, people probably expect you to stand up and be all kind of, you know, everything's good. As soon as you can show a bit of vulnerability, then other people think actually, well, he's the first one to, she is the first one to stand there and put themselves out from the crowds. I've got the confidence now to follow and do the same. Yeah. Just live it yourself and maybe start and hopefully others will follow. I love it. Great. Great advice. Are you great? Yep. Totally. Where are we going next? I've missed it up on it. Sorry, I'm back on You're track. Back on I'm now. back on track. There he goes. Right then, Harry, in the last five years, what new habit or belief has had the most profound effect on your life? We've done it. We've done that one. Yeah. Have you just... We've done it. Or you just... just done it. It's yeah. what we said. So you're doing the next one. You're doing the next one. You missed. <laughs> you've done me over now. You just keep doing... You just keep doing... You just keep doing the red ones. Keep going back. Leon, you do the Leon ones. Right. Deborah's those. Yeah. Knowing what you know now, what advice would you give to yourself at 18? And what advice would you ignore? Don't leave me, Leon. That's <laughs> <laughs> is it? <laughs> uh, I think the advice I'd give to myself when I was 18 is you're never going to stop learning. Just keep absorbing as much information. I think like you're pretty naive still when you're 18. I remember leaving school and thinking, oh, yes, I've never got to do maths ever again. And it's, <laughs> that's probably where the start of maths really <laughs> begun. Yeah, it's just every single thing when you're 18 is just absorb as much knowledge as you possibly can from any opportunity that you get. If you go into a new country, try and learn the language. If you're going to go do a job, try do it as best you possibly can to understand exactly, you know, how to get the most out of that experience. Never do anything and just walk into it and don't take as much as you possibly can for it because... I think the older you get, the more and more you realize that like language is a big one. But I think oh, God, I used to sit at school and get taught Spanish. I'd love to learn a language now. It's yeah. right. You can't do it, can you? You can't, you can't, can't do it now. That was quick. Like, yeah, not as much time either. Time is a big thing. You've got so much time when you're that age. So yeah, just absorb everything. I love it. Yeah. Good answer. Well, the interesting one, I'll just come back from Copenhagen and talking to the guy right at the bar and he spoke about 70 different languages. It just blew. It just, I just felt so inadequate. It's like us in England. We'd walk around and like only speak one language. It's like it's pathetic. Really, I, I was the same in Greece. I took I talked to a young waitress, and she said she spoke seven different languages. And I would just, I think we, I think, or in my opinion, we're lazy because we expect everybody to speak yeah. English, where they met the effort. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, she it, she was just amazing. She was just fluent. She talked better English than I did. She was amazing. Intrigued. Yeah, you, you speak Polish, don't you? As I do, without the H. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. you still understand yours. Until the next one, do you know? Ken, we all at times feel bent out, unfocused, and unenergized and overwhelmed. What do you do if helpful? What questions do you ask yourself? Do you, do you want the honest answer? Yeah. yeah. If I'm feeling burnt out and overwhelmed, I'm probably just going quite drunk. <laughs> Go and have a time. I really think that's sometimes a really good way to advise. Get some good mates around you. And go out for a beer and have a bit of fun and just forget some of your problems for a while. That's obviously not the total answer. <laughs> don't find the <laughs> don't find the total answer in the bottle, but it's a really good way to I'd love socializing. So 
yeah, for me, I think I've got to do is step back and just go and enjoy life for a little bit. Yeah, and, and switch off. For that's important. Yeah. No, but if you say that, the man club that we formed was actually formed in a pub. Yeah, by a group of mates. So Paul's my rugby coach from being the yeah, His brother, he's one of my best friends. But obviously, I know Paul's struggling, and but we started it from a pub. And I'm a big believer in you in terms of. I think sometimes one of my big challenges is just remembering to go spend more quality time with my friends and because we get so wrapped up don't we at times in business I mean you were having this conversation the other day yeah, weren't you yeah we're doing some scars out with some leadership scars and it's about your work-life balance and my problem at the minute is switching off when I get home and although I tell Leon I'm doing really good we sent a questionnaire to my wife and my wife answered <laughs> it honestly yeah because we so we follow so there's a platform called Giant that we always talk about on the show and it's like to Google use it. It's like, it's a bit like Netflix for leadership, but they have a real good, based on psychometrics and profiles, so they're all different. But the key bees, let me see if I get this right. What are the five areas? Can you, you help me on this? It's um, called a P-score, it? So yeah, you score yourself out of 100 for people and your teams. Your, your team, so you see your people, your physicals, your mental health, your, how much money you've got, your provision, yeah. uh, your place in terms of your environment. And there's one more in there, I forget it, but it's five, five, five drivers basically. And you divide it by five, don't you? Yeah, divide it by five and you get a score of 100. But really interestingly is that when you, I knew you did, you didn't switch off. He just never does. It never does. So I thought, how can we do it? And me and my business partner get this as well is we go off site every three months and we have a leadership off, off site. We get held accountable and we have business metrics like your EBIT data and all that, all that fancy stuff. We get leadership scores where the team get asked, 10 metrics about us if we're being involved as leaders, but they also send a questionnaire to your wife out as well, so how present you've been. So we have a score of 100, which is really interesting. And um, when I first started doing this, my score was about 57, I think it was. I got absolutely rinsed. And as we got you on it this quarter, didn't you? But explain that journey, because it was probably really funny. Yeah. Sent it out, and she, she messaged me back saying, do you want me to answer it honestly? I was like, yeah, please. I think I scored out of 10 for taking work home with me, I got two. Being on my phone at the dinner table, I got two out of ten. The rest, I was pretty good. But to be fair, it was your lowest markers. Well, it was my lowest markers, and all that. I knew I did it. I didn't see it as a problem, but obviously my family do. So it's a bit of a, a bit of a wake up call. But just the main thing is, it, it made me self aware that if I'm sat at the dinner table and I, I, I am putting buzz in my pocket, I would generally get it out. Now it's I'll just put it to a side, and I don't do all down. I'm still working on it, but I'm aware of it now. Yeah, it's progress, isn't it? What's your, what's your thoughts? So that was getting our wives to score us. Thinking, how are you going to get my dog to, uh, <laughs> to score me? So I'm probably safe. You know? <laughs> but yeah, I mean, they're the people that matter the most, aren't they? Your family and how happy they are is critical, isn't it? So I think it's a really good idea to ask others what their perceptions are because you always lie to yourself, don't you? So, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Other people are going to be far more honest, yeah. uh, especially yeah. if they care about you because so they're going to give the proper response. So. Yeah, it's like, sorry, really honest. it's like putting a mirror up to yourself, someone's actually telling you, rather than you, you've got your own perception at times, so not actually, this is what you do. And you're like, oh yeah, you're telling me you've got to be true. And sometimes it's not yeah. nice. Like I say, I've got good scores this quarter and you were like, no way, but yeah, I, I've been through the pain of having to stand up in front of people and go, my score's rubbish because actually I'm not present with my family. And I'm so involved in this mission to get this because I used to be the, if this thing's doing well, this vehicle's doing well, the family will do well. But then comes a point where there's nothing more important than family, is it? Nothing yeah. more important. It was quite interesting. What I'm intrigued to know, this is a good question. You're in a family business here, right? We're family-run business, really, aren't we? Mind a few works here. Yeah, my wife works, Scott's wife works here. And we, and, yeah, you and Scott are technically like family, right? You've been yeah. together that long. What, any tips for anybody else running family businesses or is it just as mad as it is? 
I think it's each time it's going to be completely unique to each different person. For me, I've just grown up my whole life knowing that I'm some point go into the family business. I didn't go straight into it, which I think was a really good decision. I had other jobs first, but because it's always been something that's going to happen, I've been in a unique situation there, sixth generation, every single kind of member of the family has worked with their forefathers, so to speak. Yeah, it's not, it's not like straightforward. I think like Dan in meetings, if he got his binoculars out to look at a presentation that I'd been I've been working on it until like midnight the night before and I've been putting loads of effort into it. Then he had me just sat there and I just, that's really riled me up. And I was just, was immediately just like really annoyed. And then you go into the, um, went into his office afterwards and I was like, dad, you can't do that. You just, you just literally, the kind of conversations that you're going to have with a family member where you have an argument, you think. We're working and we're having a family argument at the same time. This, this is this is an interesting dynamic, but it is just the way that our family has always been. That's part of our family. It's been part of the business, and that's like a if you're talking about like a pillar or something that that is around in your family, that's something that's certainly there for us. But I think as you're a rugby player, I'm a huge believer in high performance teams. There has to be conflict. There has to be conflict. You have to not agree. Because otherwise it's a dictatorship. And when you're all disagreeing, but for the common goal, I think you end up getting a better product. So would you agree, disagree? Yeah. Conflict is, we have healthy conflict in here, don't we? It used to be when you used to be quiet, but now you could, I know means good with yeah. him when he got, when we're doing a strategy meeting, when he'll give me it. And I'm like, that's a good, that's a healthy meeting. That's good. Yeah. But I, to be fair though, Conflict in the workplace for us has never really been there until we started promoting it as being healthy. You need healthy conflict in order to move forward with problems. And by stepping, like we mentioned earlier, by having that voice of an opinion and it creates conflicts, conflict can lead to better solutions. And, yeah. and it's definitely up to us, isn't it? Yeah, we changed one of our values to be, be awkward, but we defined it by being positively awkward, right? Yeah. But, but I think you're never going to do, like, you've got a huge task if the business has been going is 150 years. It's like a super tanker, you know, it's beyond a super tanker. It's, it's a fleet of super tankers and you've got to turn it around. But you're only going to turn that around by having unique perspectives and different thinking, are you? But it's back to my zebra thing. People yep. don't like to stand out and be different. That is that it always comes back to that for me. Yeah. And being, I suppose, a board member of that business, I think I was a board member at the age of 26. The other youngest board members over there, so... My perspective is usually completely different to everybody else's, but I'm quite proud of that. In a way, I can sit there and I've got the, I suppose, being a family member, I've got the confidence to stand up for some things that are maybe a completely different perspective. And I think other people actually appreciate that. As you say, conflict is good. If you're sitting there and just be the yes man or you're not going to make progress and it, it's led to change. And change is difficult and change takes conflict. Change takes a lot of hard work. Yep. We are slowly moving the tanker into a new direction. So it's good. I love it. Fantastic. Where are we going next? I think is it me? No, it's me. Go on, you go. Who in the world would you like to interview past or present and why? Yeah, I got, I put a massive long list of people down and said, I was practicing this in the pub last night. It was a really good thing to engage people on. But for me, I'd pick my first generation of the rich family business, Robert Rice. He was a, he ran away to sea and became like a master mariner. So he, he was on ships and around the British Isles and he started off building ships in Newcastle 
And as was the uh, the thing at the time was you built a ship and you took a small share ownership in the ship. So you built a few ships, had some shares in ships, and then eventually started working on those ships and moved to Hull and was around, we think maybe in the fishing trade as most people were in, in Hull. And I think just to go back and meet him and as much as interviewing him, I'd love to tell him what we do today yeah, to tell yeah. him that we build software and that <laughs> it's about managing business expenses and net zero. His legacy's ended up here. Yeah. He'd be thinking, how on earth have we gone from building ships to this? <laughs> but just to understand from him, probably more like that's as far back as we can trace from the history. Maybe it goes deeper. And you've been in my dad's office. He loves history and everything. Oh, it's like amazing. That. It's a museum. Yeah. We call it the museum quarter and we'd love to be able to track things back even further. Like dad's got books of when, when certain family members have died over the years, all of the like letters that have been written from the shipping companies in Hull to, to the family to say man, he was or whatever, all these types of things. And he's got all that. He's got, we've got all of it, all in the museum course that you're welcome to come and have, yeah, have, yeah, have a half day tour on a Friday afternoon <laughs> yeah. and some stuff about the city of Hull and its maritime history. But, uh, yeah, I think. To, for us to go even further with back with that, to, to actually get the opportunity to speak to Robert Ricks would be really, yeah, would really be something. Yeah, what, we, yeah, what, you, you, what you got, what he set out for you guys to build. Yeah, I love yeah. that. We've got through an hour, which we've done. It doesn't right. feel like it, but so final question really, is there anything we should have asked you, but we didn't? I think the one thing that the family is really passionate about is the city of Hull. So just, I'd love to have talked about Hull a little bit more. One of the things that, that dad's been working on, which I'm sure will become part of my life at some point soon is the lagoon project i've been waiting yeah. for this i've been waiting for you i was hoping you was going to mention this because i've got a lot of friends in london and i used to be in construction on there and i sent them the video of the lagoon yeah and it was like oh my god what this could i rang my friend Sarah up i'm talking to him and he was just blown away but try and explain we have got a little bit of video he but try and explain what you got to try and not try and what he's going to pull off yeah, that's a good way of looking at the pull-off or he'll give to me to finish yes, off. It's yeah, probably yeah. more of the... Yeah, <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. along with it. Yeah, that, you know, what's actually really important in this is it's not just Dad. There's loads of other people working on this. So it's not, he's done a lot for it, but there are lots of other people. But the actual Lagoon project is to basically make Hull a destination city, a really great place to live. That's the vision for it. And the way that it achieves that is by completely revolutionizing the way that the, the waterfront works in the city. So it builds a lagoon. Across the front of here? Yeah, across the across the, Across here, on it? Uh, that connects right the way from the Humber Bridge up to the docks. And it, it has many benefits. So flood defense is one of them. Routes in and out of the city. Which is a nightmare for the city. That, that's, we've got like the Siemens and everybody all here. And when we use the M62 corridor, but we can't get people in and out of the city quick enough, can we? Uh, yeah, and like the docks were designed yeah. 100 plus years ago. Designed the docks for the Siemens so that we are perfectly positioned as a city to give business everything it needs to build the offshore wind industry. The final thing that it does is it completely revolutionizes the way that people in the city live. It provides beautiful space for people to enjoy luxury housing or not necessarily affordable housing, but in a luxury location. And sustainable, yeah, yeah, yeah. Better, yeah. Office, better office space because we might end up yeah, being yeah, on there, won't we? Great view on there, won't we? And uh, some good rates, couldn't we? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure I won't be setting the rates. <laughs> that might be a conflict of interest. But uh, but the uh, it's thinking big in a city that I think has maybe lacked a bit of that in the past. And really, actually, we need to think big. We're going to 
put ourselves on the map. So anybody that's listening to this, go and follow the game project. It looks amazing. Absolutely amazing. I've advocated and just every little thing that you can do to try and push it along. There's a lot of investment that needs to go into that, but all you have to do is look at what happened when we had the floods and the amount of money that got spent on the insurance for sorting out all of the damage that was done. The project like this would mean that it would be guarded against that so it will repay itself. It's just that initial capex investment that needs to be made. But we've always been, I did a talk, I mean, exposing the week and I did it on hundred years of innovations and Lagoon that was obviously featured, but we paved the way. I was reading, I think it was like 19 or three or I might've been around the night when the Humber Bridge was first thought of, it didn't get built until 1981, but that was pioneering. It was the only single suspension bridge in the world for a long period of time. And the LCD screens was delectable to Hull University. So all the screens were looking at people watching this on YouTube. Already, and we've always paved the way, all even chip space. That's one of the third ones, yeah. Patties, but what but we've always paved the way. I think having the city of culture, I think, has really helped. But I've always traveled wet all over the place, and I wouldn't want to live anywhere else. But hold on, I absolutely love it. I think the people are great, and we need to be. It pains me. I was in Leeds the other day, I was in Manchester the week, and like the great cities, but it's like we need to be as great, don't we? Yeah, need to be. It's hard because of geography. We are at the end of the line, but that's what it's about. You've been a destination place and having things here that people want to travel for. Yeah, hopefully we can all achieve it together. What do you think the biggest challenges we're facing at the moment? Because you're on the inside. What Any insider info you can give us? What are the biggest challenges? Without being political. Yeah. <laughs> I think it is mindset. Like that, in the people that are going to make this happen, in those leadership positions have to be thinking big. We're thinking of like small tactical fixes, like, you know, small flood barrier around the city. You know, that, that, that might work when it's got one benefit. Sticky you know, plasters. Yeah, it's sticky plasters. It's not thinking a step change. So let's try not to do small little things. Let's do big, bold things that are, that, you know, going to transform. And as you say, not just put a plaster stuff. It needs people to think not just during the time that they're in office in terms of three to five years of government or local government. It needs them to think about the next 50 years. And if we can get leaders that do that in the city, that will enable us to achieve things like this that are going to really revolutionize the city. I love it. And I think I was like, I was coming back soon to put a rocket on the moon, a will to do it. And I think your dad's definitely got the will to do it. I know you've got the will to do it. And I we have to make it happen, don't we? We certainly do. Yeah, be incredible, wouldn't it? Yeah. Massively incredible because it just looks amazing. So you, we've got through an hour. There's just one final request. So we always, we're sponsored by the talk, so we started. It's a free piece of training that you can take and help save lives. And one of the questions I want to ask is I want you to take that piece of training and also share it. It's been put together by Public Health England. So you'll take that piece of training and you'll share that with our network for us, would you? I'll commit. No, really appreciate that. It's been awesome. So that's Leon checking out. Dean checking out. That's Harry checking out. Paul checking out. Latent plug. Think differently about your business IT. Let's face it. It's impossible to grow a business without digital technology. Now more than ever, with everything going on in the world right now, businesses are struggling to manage, protect and work in the cloud. Transform your business IT with expert support from ThinkCloud. 
Learn how the most successful businesses in your sector consistently generate up to 20% higher revenues at 30% lower costs. You've come this far. You got this. Check out www.think.cloud.co.uk and book a call today.